Thank you for listening to the Love Your Bod Pod. Before we dive in, just my standard disclaimer that this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and does not substitute individual medical or mental health advice. Welcome back, sweet friends, to another incredible episode of the Love Your Bod Pod. I am your host. I'm Kara Corinne I'm a certified health coach, and I help human beings heal their relationship with food and transform their relationship with their body, and I'm so grateful for this work, and I'm so grateful that you tuned into the pod today. We have an interview. We have a guest with us. I feel like we haven't had a guest in a couple of weeks, so I'm really excited for Krista Mirius. She is our guest. And she has an incredible Instagram account that I love and she's a brand new health coach and I think you guys are going to love the episode with her and really see yourself in her story because it is so relatable and I, I relate to it as well. Before we dive in, a quick little announcement commercial so to speak about food body soul so as a lot of you know if you've been listening to the pod food body soul is my brand new group coaching program oh my god it's gonna be so epic it is to help you transition from food obsession to food freedom and it is a 12-week program virtual program plus a three-day in-person retreat to help women stop the crazy around food, learn to trust and stop hating their body, and start living lives that they truly love, connected to what they really care about and what their values are, right? Not like what you're obsessed with, like food and health, but like what what you actually care about, what your life is about. And I'm really, really excited for this group coaching program. So I've been hosting groups, group coaching programs for over a year, and I've been working with women one-on-one and men one-on-one for over a year as well. And Food Body Soul is like the evolution of everything that I've learned from all of the people that I've worked with and what I've helped them support. And it, it's about the amount of um, support that they need and the length of time the container needs to be. And one of the pieces that I'm so stoked about that has has been truly a transformative piece of my past groups like all of my client testimonials from my past group programs will talk about the other women they'll talk about the sisterhood and so I am so excited about this container because you're going to be with these women for 12 weeks virtually you're going to get to know them you guys are going to be in like Facebook groups and group chats together and you're going to be supporting each other and holding each other accountable and loving each other up through this process and supporting each other through this process and then you get to like hang out with them you get to fly out to California and have this incredible juicy like bougie but humble retreat where you're going to have all of your delicious meals made and prepared for you and we're going to create Uh, what our life looks like without dieting, right? Because the in-person retreat is going to be in January. And typically, you know, people will be like, I'm starting my diet, whatever, you know, the usual New Year's resolutions bullshit from diet culture. And instead, you're going to be creating what the next year of your life is going to look like and beyond from an incredibly empowered place of self-acceptance and food freedom and intuitive eating and really a place of soul alignment from a place of power and I'm so excited for the women that are going to be in there. I've already filled a couple of spots. So if you feel even an ounce, 
even a little bit like hmm that sounds interesting like hmm maybe I want to be a part of that maybe that's just what I'm looking for even if there's a tiny bit of you I would love for you to go to karaskitchen.net forward slash apply and apply for a discovery call with me and let's hop on the phone and let's chat and if you're feeling afraid if you feel like oh, I just need the courage to be able to take action in this area to overcome all of my fears that discovery call will support you in that process so we can talk about where you're at what you're afraid of what's been holding you back and why you want to get why you want to heal and work towards food freedom and if I think that food body soul is a good fit for you and if you also think it's a good fit for you awesome and if not no worries that call is my gift to you. You will walk away with value no matter what. So if there's even this tiny little sliver of you that thinks like, hmm, that seems interesting. I'm curious. I want to learn more. Please go to kitchen.net forward slash apply to explore the possibility. It just might be the thing that you're looking for to really transform your life so that you can be more happy and at peace and more self-expressed and like not have any more of the food obsession, right? It's all about food food obsession of food freedom and life freedom. So, okay, enough with the commercial. I'm so passionate and excited about this. Y'all probably can tell. But let's get into the interview with Krista Mirias. I think it's amazing. I think you're going to love it. So let's dive in. Welcome back to the Love Your Bod Pod. Today we have an incredible guest with us. Her name is Krista Mirias. She is a certified health coach and intuitive eating counselor whose mission is to help women find the freedom that comes with eating intuitively without rules, fear, or guilt, and learn to accept their bodies as they are and as they change through each phase of their lives. A former elementary school teacher, she began dieting and exploring fitness after having her two kids, which led to a career change as a personal trainer and online health and fitness coach. After several years, she found herself struggling with disordered eating, poor body image, and weight cycling, and knew she had to make a change. She began learning about intuitive eating, the health at every size approach, and eventually became certified to help other women heal from chronic dieting, leave diet culture behind, and find food and body freedom. Krista, what's up? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, me too. So excited to have you on the podcast today. So let's just get started with the questions. We'll dive right in. Sure. Okay. So a quote that I have been very inspired by goes like this. You may be 38 years old as I happen to be. And one day some great opportunity stands before you and calls you to stand for some great principle, some great issue, some great cause. And you refuse to do it because you are afraid. You refuse to do it because you want to live longer. You're afraid that you will lose your job or you are afraid that you will be criticized or that you will lose your popularity. And you're afraid that somebody will stab you or shoot at you or bomb your house. So you refuse to take a stand. Well, you may go on and live until you are 90, but you're just as dead at 38 as you would be at 90. And the cessation of breathing in your life is but the belated announcement of an earlier death of the spirit. And that's by Martin Luther King. So Krista, you popped onto the Instagram scene with a compassionate yet strong and unapologetic anti-diet message. Can you tell us about what led you to finally decide to speak up so boldly against diet culture and weight loss culture, even if it's unpopular and goes against the grain of conventional thinking and wisdom around health? Thanks, Kara. I, I hope that my posts come across as compassionate and yet unapologetic because I have so much compassion for anyone who is trying to break free from diet culture and all of the struggles that go along with that. But at the same time, I do want to take a strong stance against diet culture and just this culture that praises thinness above all else. And 
compels so many people to dedicate so much of their lives in order to fix their bodies and still always coming up short. And why do I speak up so loudly is because I can clearly see how damaging it can be. I have my own experience of how much of my life I lost dedicating to always trying to get back to this thinner body that I thought that I should have. And my history of dieting isn't even as extensive as a lot of people. So some people lose years and decades of their life dedicated to this. So I just want to stand up and help people because I was blind to the harm that was caused by diets for so long. So I want to help people see that it doesn't have to be like this. We don't have to spend our lives dedicated to thinness and diets. Yeah. Oh, so I would love to know if you could just tell us a little bit about like your history and your relationship with food and, and what that was like for you. Yeah, for sure. So like I said, my history might not be as extensive as a lot of people's because I didn't really start dieting until after I had both of my kids and I was already 30 years old. So a lot later than a lot of people. But um, thinking back to growing up, I was a thin child and I, I was praised for having a thin body and thinness was valued in my family. And I think that insulated me a lot from having a lot of issues with food because my parents didn't step in and tell me what I wasn't allowed to eat or try to put me on a diet or anything like that. But I do remember that dieting was always something that my mom was doing. And I don't remember any specific diets, but just kind of like always managing her weight or trying to control her body that way. And I did hear a lot of the women in my family talking about their bodies and talking about their weight, complaining about their weight, the things about their bodies they wanted to change. And I, so I heard a lot of that diet and body talk growing up. And I remember things like learning that your belly should always be sucked in. I remember hearing this when I was really young and really thin, that I should never let my belly just hang out. And I remember learning that cellulite was this terrible fate that I would have to face once I got older. And so I think some of those body image issues were implanted in my head pretty young. Mm -hmm. And they didn't kind of come back to haunt me until I got older and gained some weight. But I definitely learned that thinness was something that was valued by all of the adults in my life. And I think because of this, these experiences and just growing up in diet culture, as we all do, I found myself almost feeling proud that I was thin, which when I think back now, that's a little messed up. But I remember being in high school health class and we had to weigh ourselves and calculate our BMI, which I really hope teachers aren't doing this anymore, but <laughs> I was still thin at this point. And so I had a low BMI and I remember feeling proud of that and then kind of silently judging the other people who had a higher BMI. And it's just, I'm kind of horrified that that's the way that I looked at health and bodies, that it was something I was proud of, that I had this body that I just was natural to me. But after high school, I ended up putting on a little bit of weight and I was still thin, but I started to become really self-conscious about this weight that I was gaining. And I wasn't athletic at all, and I had never done any kind of meal plan or diet. And every once in a while, I guess I'd just start running or I'd start trying to, like, quote unquote, eat healthy, which meant I'd add a few extra vegetables to my diet, but I never really dieted at all. And it would last a week or two, and then I'd go back to what I, what I knew and what I was always doing. So I think I kind of, I saw my body changing, but I just accepted at this point that it was changing and that there wasn't a whole lot that I could do about it, which I think was kind of a healthy attitude now that I look back on it but everything changed after I had my kids so like I said I was 30 when I had my daughter my second child and at this point I found myself weighing more than I ever had before and it was the first time that I found weight was kind of getting in the way of things I wanted to do because I just 
I felt uncomfortable in my body. I was embarrassed of it. I didn't want to go out with friends as much. And I found myself wearing like big flowy shirts to hide the parts of my body that I was uncomfortable with. And then at the same time, something else that made me really insecure was that I was in the biggest body that I'd ever been in, but my mom had lost a bunch of weight. And so she was really thin and she's always looked really young and we look a lot alike. So we get compared a lot. And I just thought that it was mortifying that people would look at the two of us together and compare us and judge me that I was the bigger one or the less attractive one. So this was a huge motivation for me at the time to want to start dieting. So age of 30, I finally got serious about, okay, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to change my body. I talked my mom into doing this diet with me and it was pretty restrictive. I had to have lists on my fridge of all the foods I was allowed to eat and the foods I wasn't allowed to eat. And yeah, this was all new for me because I'd never dieted before. But since it was my first diet, the weight came off pretty quick. So started working out at the same time, pretty much for the first time ever. So I lost weight really fast. And of course, people were noticing and I was starting to get compliments. And at one point, I posted a before and after picture online. And then I really started getting attention for changing my body and all the praise for oh you look so much better now and what's your secret and how did you do it and I can even remember things like people looking at my before and after picture and saying how hilarious I looked in the before picture because I looked so big and it didn't even look like me and thank goodness I lost all the weight so that definitely <laughs> feeds into the body image issues and and it's something that I remember now that I'm back to the weight that I was in that before picture which is a reason that I really dislike the before pictures. They never seem to be a good thing. But all of this, all the praise I got, it ended up being like the beginning of my obsession with food and exercise and my body. Um, and at the time I was on mat leave from my teaching job, but all I could think about during this time was like nutrition and fitness. And so I started thinking, well, maybe teaching isn't what I was meant to do. Maybe I'm supposed to go into this nutrition and fitness kind of field. So I was kind of wondering, what am I going to do here? And I ended up coming across an online health and fitness company. So I signed up as a coach. I got certified as a personal trainer. And then I started working with women online. And basically, it was all about losing weight, celebrating every pound and inch that they lost. And I would share my fitness tips, which were looking back now, basically like a guideline of how to develop disordered eating. So I feel really horrible about all the women that I probably transferred my own food and body issues to at that time. So I ended up coaching with that company for about five years, but around two years into it, I started to gain back all the weight. And it, I was still doing the workouts, I was still following the super restrictive meal plans, but all the weight was starting to come back on. And this was super hard for me because I had kind of built this new career and basically my identity around being this quote unquote thin and fit person. And all of a sudden my body didn't match that anymore. So I was feeling like a huge failure. And I just, all I could think to do was, okay, I need to find a different workout or a more restrictive diet. And so I just started, I thought I was researching nutrition, but I was really just like looking at more and more restrictive diets and trying to find a way that I could finally lose this weight. But what it ended up being was three years of losing weight, putting on more, so the weight cycling, the yo-yoing, and then my body image was just plummeting the whole time. So after three years of this, I was feeling pretty depressed, and 
I felt like my body, which was still really thin, I felt like I was gross and wrong, and I felt like a failure at this new career that I had. And then I was finding that many of the women that I was working with were having the same results. I, some of them joined me right from the beginning, and now they couldn't keep off the weight either. They were going up and down, and I just was baffled as to why, why isn't this working? We're all dieting still. We're all doing the workouts. Why isn't this working? So at this point, I was kind of done. I realized I couldn't coach anymore. This wasn't working for me or any of the women I was working with. And so I didn't know what to do because I thought I can't coach. And I'd been away from teaching for so long that I couldn't see myself going back to that either. So I was a little bit lost. So I ended up taking a couple months off and I just quit dieting. I quit working out. I quit coaching. And I was just like, what the heck am I going to do with my life? And I, at this point, I kind of started getting into the anti-diet world. I started listening to podcasts like Food Psych and Fearless Rebel Radio, and I started following anti-diet accounts on Instagram, and I started kind of like wrapping my head around this new way of thinking about food and bodies, and it was all new to me. Like, I can listen to my body. I don't have to follow these rules, and it's okay that I've gained weight. This doesn't have to be something I changed. So it was all really new to me. And it took a while for me to really get my head wrapped around it. But I started thinking at this point, well, maybe I can still coach women, but I'll just do it completely differently. It'll be anti-diet. I'm not going to do what I used to do. So I went back to get another certification as a health coach. And I started the intuitive eating training with Evelyn Triboli. And I just started working on my own relationship with food and my body at the same time. Um, I struggled a lot. I guess the food part was easier for me. I was so ready to quit dieting that I just stopped dieting like cold turkey, started trying to listen to my body. I still had those thoughts that I had to try to work through, like I'd lay in bed at night and that list of what I ate that day would run through my mind and I'd have to try to shut that off because I wanted to categorize everything into good and bad still. And then I'd have to try to fight those thoughts of, oh, I ate something I shouldn't. I need to go work out now. So I had to work through that. But for the most part, I just quit dieting and I didn't want to go back to it. Body image, I found a little more difficult. Um, I do remember a point where I was scrolling through photos on my phone and I had all kinds of before and after images saved and then pictures of my body as I had gained a bit of weight since I quit dieting. And my normal thought process looking at these photos would be, oh, look at how much I've gained and look at what I need to change and oh, what kind of diet am I going to do? And I, it would just pick myself apart. And I just found myself looking at this picture and it wasn't the body that I was used to. It was bigger. And I just found myself thinking, you know what? I can be okay with this. I can accept this body. I'm going to stop trying to change it. And I just felt this huge weight off my shoulders. And all of a sudden I found tears in my eyes and it just was kind of like the beginning where I realized I can do this, I can accept this body. And that wasn't the end though, because <laughs> I still um, had more weight to gain. I wasn't quite weight recovered from all of the restriction I had done. And so that body that I realized I could accept changed from there. So I gained more weight, I grew out of more clothes and it became really difficult for me. And I found myself at one point pulling out the scale that I hadn't stepped on in nine months and seeing what I weighed. And I just had a breakdown and I, it was really difficult for me to work through this on my own. So I realized I needed some help. So at that point I hired a body image coach and she helped me work through all these fears of gaining weight and shut off that negative self-talk that was in my head and 
tap into a voice of compassion. And so that really helps me a lot. And that was a year ago that I worked with her and I've done so much work since then. And now I just feel like I'm at this place of peace and I feel like I'm at peace with my body and with food and with what I'm doing and helping other women to be able to get to the same place. So that's my story. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing and taking us through that. And I know that so many people listening are going to be able to hear themselves in your story and will be able to relate to your journey. And I think that that little like moment that you had, I hear series of moments where you were realizing that what you were doing wasn't working anymore. And that you were also witnessing like, wow, it's also not working for the other women that I'm coaching. Like having that happen was kind of one of the catalysts for having you be like, okay, what's happening? Like what's going on? So in a, in it, in a way it's, it's almost a beautiful thing to have discovered that, to have that happen, even though in the moment it was probably like, so stressful and like the worst thing and you guys were frustrated and and anxious and sad and like what the heck you know and also it it allowed you to be like hey what's not working and like shifted you into this new direction yeah it really was something like I always thought we're doing something wrong what are we doing wrong we need to be able to lose the weight and then to find out well no we're not doing anything wrong this is what our bodies are meant to do it was like a light bulb moment I guess and kind of propelled me forward to learn more. Yes, yes. And I I super relate to that. And I think that that's like one of the top myths perpetuated by diet culture is that like if all of a sudden the weight's coming back and you can't keep the weight off, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, exactly. So what are some of the other top myths perpetuated by diet culture that you want everyone caught up in it to know? And why is it so important that we set the record straight? Because like you're setting the record straight with your business and with your Instagram and like that's with the effort of this podcast so what are some of those other really big myths that are damaging that we want to help women like kind of come out of or clear up for them yeah there's so many and I bought into all of them (laughs) just like that being thin is something that we should all want and that we should dedicate our lives to striving to that thinner is more attractive that thinner is always healthier that losing weight is something that should always be praised and complimented Um, that gaining weight means failure and it's something that you should be ashamed of, that restricting your food means dedication and discipline. No, it means that it's disordered eating, but it's put on this pedestal as, oh, the dedication and the discipline Mm -hmm. and that weight loss is empowering. That's what I sold it as, like empower your life by shrinking your body. And when I look at it now, that couldn't be more false. And that being thin or following a strict diet somehow makes you better than other people. Because I had that feeling and I know that other people that I worked with in the fitness arena have that feeling that if you're not dedicating all your time to nutrition and fitness that you're somehow not as worthy. So those are all the myths I want to bust. And I just want people to know that we've been duped into thinking that our bodies are wrong and that they're too big and that we need to change them because that keeps us dishing out more and more money. keeps the fitness and nutrition industry, the diet industry is what I'm trying to say. It keeps them rolling in the money and it, it keeps us from living a full life. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm sitting here kind of envisioning the impact that it has on women to such a large degree. And I know men are affected. Anyone can be affected by this. And I, I do, I, you know, I find that it disproportionately affects women because of the, the pressure for them to, to look a certain way. 
and I just think about the impact that that this narrative that these myths have on like our ability to be fully self-expressed and to be empowered and to live lives that we love and something that you had said also while you were sharing was how you had found that the food piece was more easy for you to kind of tackle and feel at peace with it was actually the body image piece that was more more difficult and more challenging and that is absolutely something that i have witnessed in in my coaching as well with the women that i work with and the men that i work with is that the food is actually the easier piece of the puzzle to an extent um and that it's the body image that is more difficult so i would actually love it if you could dive into a little bit about why do you think the body image piece is the more difficult piece and what kind of helped you facilitate a transformation in that area to be more at peace with the body that you're in now and as you were gaining weight in recovery and healing well i think that the body image and fearing weight gain it just comes from fat phobia that's all around us in our society and it's just the way that we, as a society, have been trained to fear fat and to believe that fat equals unhealthy and unattractive and less worthy and lazy. And none of these things are true. And I think many of us grow up in families like I did that highly value thinness and then we're always surrounded by this thin ideal, whether it's magazines or TV or our social media, our friends on social media, it's everywhere. And so we have this idea of what we should look like. And so if our recovery has us in a body that's different from this ideal. We feel like it's wrong and it's so hard to heal when we feel like we're not matching this ideal. And so I think there's a lot of things that we need to do to get over this fear of weight gain. But first, something I had to do was just to educate myself on the weight science and read books like Health at Every Size and Body Respect and Body of Truth. And they just helped me to understand that thinner is not always healthier and that gaining weight doesn't mean that you're harming your health and things like that. And then I also really had to diversify my social media because being a fitness coach, everybody that I followed was into fitness and they all had these perfect bodies. And even at my thinnest and fittest, I didn't ever feel like I measured up to these other people that I was following. So I unfollowed a ton of people. I got rid of any accounts that made me feel like my body wasn't good enough. And then I just started following all the diverse accounts that I could find in all different body types. And it helped me to realize that there is beauty in every kind of body and that there's not one perfect body and that my body was fine the way it was. I think it also helps to realize that beauty and thinness isn't all that we have to offer the world. Um, I think so many women feel like if they're not beautiful and thin, that they're not worthy enough. And I think we need to realize that it's, it's not all about our appearance. We're whole people with personalities and passions and it doesn't have to be about being beautiful and being thin. And then the final piece, I, for me, I had to get to a place where I just had no choice but to accept my body because I knew that I couldn't diet anymore. And I knew that no matter how much I wanted to be thin, I knew I couldn't do it because I had tried everything to do it. And I knew that I couldn't be on that diet roller coaster again. I knew how it would turn out. I knew that I might lose some weight at the beginning, but I'd probably gain more back my body image would suffer even more with every new diet. So I just knew I had no other choice but to learn to accept this body. And if it was gonna be a body that had more weight on it, I had to get over that fear of weight gain and just learn to accept it. And that's what I'm still working on and what I wanna help other women with. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely uh, agree that there's just this like omnipresent narrative in society that weight gain is bad and that it, 
impacts your worth as a human being. And there's so much bullying. And like you said, fat phobia and there's, and it shows up everywhere. Like yes, everywhere. <laughs> movies, TV, like I, you know, it shows up in like church. There's like religious Christian diets. You know, I've had some clients that have been on like with their church and like, it's just everywhere. And so it's hard to avoid it. And so I get how, why that is the bigger piece. And I also think that it's the deeper piece, right? Because the food is kind of on the surface and getting more comfortable with this larger body is self-acceptance. You know, it's self-esteem, it's self-worth. It's cultivating a sense of worthiness and enoughness outside of the context of thin and pretty. And that's so hard to pull yourself out of when the narratives are so strong in, in our world and they come at us like even from our parents, like you had mentioned, right? Like I grew up in a household like that too. And so I get why that is the more difficult piece. So you've gotten to this place where you're learning to accept, you've made a lot of progress, you're more at peace. Has cultivating a sense of self-worth outside of your appearance been a piece of that? And like, what has that looked like for you in your own life? Yeah, I just, I had to like shape a new identity for myself, I guess. Like I, like I said, when I was doing the fitness coaching thing, I was proud to be, because I didn't grow up fit and athletic at all. And so once I got into that body that I thought was fit and athletic, I was proud of that. And that became part of my identity. And and then when I didn't have abs anymore and I didn't have that thin body, I didn't know who I was. And so I had to do some work to realize, okay, what are my real passions? Like not my obsession with food and fitness, but what are my real passions? What am I actually interested in? What do I actually want to do with my life? What can I actually offer the world? So there was that whole process of finding who am I outside of this food and fitness image that I had built for myself. Mm, yeah, yeah. And like something also that I wanted to touch on, you had said so many good points, uh, <laughs> superiority complex that we feel as well. So yeah. you, you built this identity and you like had this sense of like, I feel better about myself because I have a lower BMI and you felt, you know, you get all the praise from society. So like it's reinforced, it's not like you feel good about yourself and superior in a vacuum, right? Like we have this very real reality out, outside of us that praises this lifestyle and praises this way this way of being so so deciding that like that wasn't actually what led to you quote like being better or whatever also discovering that that wasn't like as valuable as we portray it to be was that part of the process too and was that literally just like shifting your perspective like choosing different beliefs or was it like a process that had you be like hey I don't actually need to praise this yeah I think I just had to realize that all the education I was doing about weight science and things like that, like I realized that some people are just thin and it's not something that makes you better than anybody else. So the way you look doesn't make you a better person. And I had to really, it was humbling to dig into these beliefs that I realized I had. And I think all that praise that I had gotten and people saying, how did you do it? And what's your secret? And oh, I wish I could be like you. And all of it just made me feel like I was somehow better. Like I would find myself in the grocery store lineup with all my healthy foods in my cart and I'd be judging the person behind me that had processed foods and that's not okay. <laughs> I shouldn't have been doing that. And I think I call out things like that a lot now because I didn't think I really realized I was doing it at the time until I look back now, but yeah, it's, yeah, I just had to realize that I was so off base when that's what I was basing my worth on. 
yeah, yeah. And and like I get you had said like you you know you would you felt kind of you felt like it was bad or wrong that you had these beliefs, but like I had those beliefs, and I think most of us have had them or we still have them. And so I think it is important to cultivate a sense of compassion for ourselves for kind of being manipulated by these narratives, right? Because like I don't think that we can't we decided them for ourselves or came up with those beliefs for ourselves or necessarily chose them for ourselves. They were more of like, we just inherited them or internalized them from the outside world. So it's like, I know that I've had those thoughts as well. And it's like, I have compassion on myself because it was like, we were duped. I think you would say by diet culture, we were duped by, by this. So something that you and I both talk a lot about is how the pursuit of health is not the same as the pursuit as weight, as weight loss. Did I say that right? That makes sense. (laughs) They're different pursuits. So Often when we say that we are met with people saying that they have a valid reason to lose weight, like joint pain or like other health issues, like chronic illness or something. So what is your response to this? Like, why are the pursuits different? And how would you address someone who's like, no, but I have, I want like healthy weight loss or like, I really do need to lose weight. What do you say to that? Yeah, I get comments like that a lot because I think people view wanting to lose weight for appearance reasons as not valid. And they're like, okay, I don't want to lose weight to change the way I look. I have these valid reasons. I want to improve my health. And so I've done a couple posts about that just to address it because I get so many comments like that. But the thing is that it doesn't matter what your reasons are for wanting to lose weight. Intentional weight loss still fails to last long term for the majority of people. So there's diets, there's different things out there where you can lose weight temporarily and sometimes health markers will improve temporarily but in the long run weight intentional weight loss almost always leads to weight cycling which has its own negative health impacts and those when health does improve temporarily it it usually goes back to where it was before anyways Um, our bodies just resist weight loss they want to keep us healthy and they don't know the difference between this new diet that we want to try and an actual famine so they resist losing the weight in the beginning and they also are apt to put the weight back on. So we've come to believe that weight and health are the same thing, that weight loss always equals improved health, but that's not the case. So taking care of your health might result in weight loss, it might result in weight gain, it might not result in any change at all to your weight, they're not the same thing, and they're not tied together. So the thing is that even when you believe that the reason that you need to lose weight is valid, i.e. based on health and not appearance, It doesn't change the fact that we currently have no proven safe and sustainable way to shrink people's bodies and have them stay that way. So what I tell people is that we don't have control over our weight in the way that diet culture says that we do, but we do have control over our behaviors. So instead of looking at someone's weight and asking how we can reduce it, we can look at someone's behaviors and see what they can improve on, whether it's learning to eat in a way that's both pleasurable and nourishing, like intuitive eating, or learning to do movement that they find enjoyable, reducing stress, getting more sleep, any kind of behavior that can help improve their health outcomes. And then for specific health issues, there are health at every size professionals that can work with them to help find ways to improve their health without focusing on weight. Yeah, yeah. And I loved what you had said in that beginning, where you were like, we have it as if losing weight for appearance isn't valid that it's somehow not a valid reason, but like health reasons is valid. Where do you think this idea, knowing that we're so appearance focused and appearance obsessed, why is it that we would say like losing weight for appearance isn't actually like a valid reason? What do you think's underneath that or where that comes from? 
I think that when people are first buying into like anti-diet and health at every size, that's the first part that they're willing to accept is that their body, they don't have to change their appearance. But I think it takes a longer time for people to accept that they also don't have to lose weight for their health. That's kind of what I'm viewing is that they, it's easier to accept the appearance part, but we are, it's way harder for people to accept that weight loss doesn't always equal better health. Mm. Huh. I feel like it's the other way around. Yeah. And, I, like, and I'd love to like, let's just have like an on the spot, like real <laughs> chat this out. Cause I think this is juicy. I think that like on the surface, we're like, oh, it's not about what I look like. Like on the surface, we say that, say that because I think intellectually, we all know, oh, it's on the inside that counts. You right. Know, on the inside. And I think intellectually, we get that. But like, do we really embody that and really believe that or really not care about what we look like? I think that most of us in the beginning, like that's not where we're at. But I think that we try to justify it with the health and say like, oh, it's actually about my health. It's not about what I look like. But really underneath it, if you're honest with yourself, that a large part of it is about wanting to look a different way. Yeah, that's true. I think like it's always in the back of your head that most people's heads <laughs> that they want to change their body and that they think that losing weight is a part of that. Um, I don't know if I was getting my point across, but I just mean like that health is the one thing that people always want to hang on to because it's so hard to break that narrative that losing weight is better for your health. And so that it's like, people are like, I'm all for BOPO and body positivity as long as you're healthy. And so they seem to accept the whole body positivity part of it, that bodies are beautiful in all different sizes, but they don't accept the, the weight part of it, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. But yeah, I get what you're saying too, that there is always that, that thinking about your appearance in the back of your head. Cause that's when you've grown up in diet culture, believing that thinner is better. It's really, really hard to break that idea. Mm, yeah. And I think that it's easy to, to say like, Oh, I'm, I just care about your health or I just care about my health. Like I think that we kind of portray it as if it's like a genuine concern. Yeah. It's a bit of a cop out and the concern yeah. trolling where, yeah, they say they care about someone's health, but really they just have a fat phobic mindset and they want to comment on someone's body that they don't think looks the way they think it should look. Yeah, like doesn't actually look healthy or something. Yes. Yeah. I think that that like hit the nail on the head is that like underneath the concern of health is a rooted fat phobia. Yeah. To a large extent. And yes, I do think that we have health and weight massively collapse. I think that it's starting to slowly shift a little bit. Do you think that it's slowly starting to shift? That, that more and more people are adopting this way of thinking? Or do you feel like in your own life, no, outside of your little anti-diet bubble? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to know because the, like I've only been into, learned about health at every size maybe two years ago. So it's all pretty new to me still. And before that point, I was like so in diet culture with the blinders on. I, if, if health at every size was out there and I knew it was, I just wasn't exposed to it and I never heard of it at all. And now I am in my little anti-diet bubble where everybody that I follow online are anti-diet people. And so to me, it feels like there's been a massive shift, but that could have just been my own shift. But I do know that my online life is all anti-diet health at every size. My personal life and the people that I know personally are not quite there. And I think some of them will try to understand and I've maybe hopefully helped shift a few attitudes or mindsets, but yeah, definitely still more work to be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually would love to know. 
This is a question that I get all of the time. People want to know how to address diet talk in their lives. So like when diet talk comes up with friends, like I've been good or I've been bad, or they talk about their bodies. What are some of the ways that you recommend addressing those types of comments? What are some of your tips around that or how do you address it personally in your own life? I think that if people feel, if, the, if it's someone that's in your life that you see all the time and you feel comfortable, I think setting boundaries is important. And I had to do that with friends early on because I think I was in a really fragile place early on when I was trying to come to terms with this weight gain and really struggling with body image. I would just break into tears if people started talking about their own bodies and diet talk and things like that. So I did have to set that boundary and say, can we not talk about these things when we're together? I'm trying to heal from this and I'd really appreciate it if you didn't bring it up. I think other people maybe just, I've been very vocal online and I think other people maybe have just seen my posts and realized, okay, we can't talk about this stuff in front of Krista. <laughs> but I do think as far as advice goes, that if it's someone that you see all the time and you're going to be having these conversations, I would set that boundary and then be prepared to set it again and again and again, because diet talk is just so normalized and women get together and tear down their bodies and go back and forth about who has the bigger thighs and it's just a normal thing. So I think you need to be pre prepared to have that conversation several times. And I'll remember when I asked you not to talk about this kind of thing because it makes me uncomfortable and it makes it harder for me to heal. You need to be able to bring that up again. If it's, I don't like confrontation personally. So if it's someone that I might not see again or don't see very often, I might just disengage from the conversation and not say anything. So it kind of depends on who I'm with and what the situation is. Yeah. I second all of that. I do think that like creating boundaries is if you feel comfortable and confident doing that. And if you need to just say nothing and walk away or change the subject, all good too. But, and I think the main thing is it's, it's okay to take an action. And if that action yeah. is walking away, that's okay. And if the action is creating a boundary, that's okay that you deserve to take care of yourself. Yes, exactly. Uh, all right. I would love to chat with you about this whole everything in moderation. I actually think that you had a post about this, how everything yeah. is actually inherently restrictive, even though it sounds like sensible advice. So can you kind of explain to us why this whole idea of like everything in moderation is actually inherently restrictive? Yeah, I think that where we can go wrong with the everything in moderation advice is when we use it as a way to warn ourselves not to quote unquote overdo it. So we'll tell ourselves, it's okay if I have this food that I really want to eat, but only if I have this very small amount. And that's because in diet culture, moderation tends to be code for don't eat too much. So I believe that once we learn to eat intuitively, we naturally kind of moderate our amounts of food because when you have unconditional permission to eat all foods, there's not that drive to eat in an uncontrollable way that sometimes happens when you're restricting. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that you hit it on the head perfectly, that everything in moderation is actually just saying, hey, don't eat too much. Yeah. Eat what you want, but not too much. So it's still a judgment. It's still the idea that there's a certain amount of food that is actually like, quote, not okay, or quote, too much. You know, like you can have a judgment around the amounts. And everything in moderation is just like saying it in a different way, like, hey, don't eat too much. Like, oh, you can have the ice cream, but like not too much ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said, when you transition into intuitive eating and you start honoring your body's cravings and nothing is on the like bad food list or the don't eat food list, it's off that pedestal. The desire to like, you know, go ham on it dissipates. It's not there anymore. 
Yeah. Like I think that eating a variety of foods in a moderate amount is a good thing when it just kind of happens because you're eating intuitively, but it's this forced moderation and this fear of eating too much. That's where it can be an issue. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. I think that when all of the diet mentality stuff is gone, all the food rules are gone. We actually like eat in moderation naturally. And it's not something that you consciously have to try to do or like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's when we try too hard to do it. That's when the restriction happens. Yeah, totally. All right. Couple last questions. One last big question. What is some advice for your 18 year old self? Or maybe it makes more sense to say, what's some advice for your 30 year old self? Maybe we'll do both. Mm, Yeah. And 30. Yeah. So when I think back to my 18 year old self, like luckily I wasn't dieting yet and I was kind of naturally eating intuitively for the most part. I definitely had some body image issues, but at that point I still just kind of accepted that this is my body and it's kind of changing and I'm not really going to do anything drastic to try to change it. Um, and I, so I guess I would go back to my 18 year old self and say like, please stay this way. Keep listening to your body. Keep eating food without feeling guilty after keep working to accept your body even as it changes. But I would also want to say um, your body is going to change. You're not going to have this 18 year old body forever. You're going to gain weight. You're going to have babies and your body's going to change. And I would want her to know that that's normal and that's healthy. And that doesn't mean that you have to do all of these drastic things to change your body to try to always look like an 18 year old. So I'd like to say that I would go back and change things so that I wouldn't have to go through what I went through. But I think I can't regret anything because it was all part of my journey and I've learned from it. And now I'm in this place where I can hopefully help other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my 30 year old self, I guess the same advice, like this is normal. Your body gains weight when you have babies, your belly doesn't have to be flat after having babies. It's normal and healthy and you don't need to try to change it. Yeah. Yes. That is just so important. Like I just, like your body's change and it's okay you know and like uh, the like get your body back thing like get your body yeah and that was such a big part of my fitness coaching because I didn't lose weight until after I had babies and so that was my draw was like look at my before and after pictures I've had two babies and look what I look like and I hate that that's the kind of message that I was putting out there that if I can do it, you can do it too. And you can have two babies and still have abs. And that was such a toxic message. And so I fight back against those messages now. Yeah. 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 You know, you've learned and you've evolved. It's like, yeah. I, I, I kind of, I, I can see why you like feel bad about it. And it's also like, you also get it, right? You're like, I was wrapped up in it. Like I didn't know any better. Yeah. I went through a lot of time of feeling really guilty. And now I just kind of realize most of us start in that diet culture space before we move over to anti-diet and you learn and you do better with what you've learned. I think it makes our anti-diet message that much more, more potent because we're like, look, yo, I've been there. I did, I did the diets. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, please let me support you sister. So where can everybody find you? You can find me. I'm the only social media where I'm active is on Instagram. So that's just at Krista Marius. And then my brand new website is kristamarius.com. Yes. And you just started working with coaching clients. So yes, just getting started. Yes. Amazing. Krista, thank you so much for being on the pod today and sharing your story and your wisdom. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. Wait, don't go yet. Did you enjoy this episode and was it helpful? If so, then the most 
helpful thing that you can do in return is to leave a ratings and review on iTunes or share the podcast in your Instagram story or with someone in your life. That really helps keep the podcast going and it helps this healing, transformative, food freedom, body positive message reach more people. And the more people that hear this message, the easier it will be to facilitate change on a greater societal level. All right, that is our show. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you all next week.